We are Amido, and you are listening to the Insights Podcast. Welcome to Amido Insights, the new podcast channel on all things Amido. This year, we're going to be doing podcasts on a whole range of subjects. We look forward to your comments and your feedback. And if you have any ideas for future podcasts you'd like to hear, please get in touch. Hello and welcome to this, the first of the Amido podcast series. And today, I'm very pleased to be able to welcome the founders of Code Untapped. Welcome. Hi, great to be here. Would you like welcome. to introduce yourselves? Uh, Jay, do you want to go first? Yeah, uh, my name's uh, Jason Halstead. Uh, I'm a financial technologist. I've been that for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them just a little bit about yourself. Okay, so um, I'm... Uh, I'm Jamaican, yeah, heritage. Um, I've been working in the financial technology industry for about 20 years, uh, in particular at some of the, the biggest investment banks, uh, Goldman's, right, Merrill okay. Lynch, uh, Credit Suisse in Switzerland, where I met S, mm-hmm. and also HSBC. Yeah. So I've been working on various uh, derivative products, uh, repos, all sorts of stuff, yeah, and always been a developer and analyst as, a back, as, as my background. Yeah. Excellent. So yeah. you're the techie. Well, we're both techies, actually. <laughs> we're Jay, Jay focuses on the tech side. Yeah, so I'm more of the, the, the CTO type character. CTO, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, CTO of Code Untapped. Yeah, okay. Exactly, exactly. Um, hi, I'm uh, Azechi Britain, but everyone calls me Ez. Um, similar background, I'm actually half Nigerian, half English, grew up in the UK. Um, I'm a technologist by background, spent um, 10 years in investment banking technology space, um, five years at Credit Suisse in uh, credit derivatives, risk and pricing technology, and then five years at uh, Credit Suisse in Zurich, where I met Jason in equity derivatives, risk and pricing technology. I then co-founded a fintech in the UK called Neighbor, where I was co-founder and the founding CTO of the organization. That's a company that specializes in providing financial lending to UK employees. We grew that business from scratch to over 80 employees, 300 partners, 170 million pounds in lending, and over 200 million in cash raised for the business through debt and equity. I then stepped away from that company, um, co-founded Code Untapped alongside Jason, and I'm also a founding member, principal, and the CTO in residence for ImpactX Capital, which is a hundred million pound venture capital fund supporting underrepresented entrepreneurs in the UK and Europe. Okay. All right. So Code Untapped, what was the vision behind Code Untapped? Why did it come into being? So both of us have similar but different backgrounds when it comes to the problems that underrepresented individuals face in technology. But fundamentally, um, where I came from when I when I approached Jason around Code Untapped was very much that I spent a lot of time um, in the public domain speaking around um, diversity, representation, founder's journey. And a lot of the organizations, a lot of the events where I was speaking about this, I'd look around and talk about how technology is shattering the glass ceilings, how anyone can create a company mm. today. And yet the only person who looked like me or looked like Jason would be serving drinks and canapes. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like a, a, a cheeky anecdote, but it's absolutely true. And uh, fundamentally, I looked around and thought to myself, how, why is this the case? Why am I out here telling everybody that actually anyone can set up a business and yet it's not happening? Mm. At that point, 
we were very much focused on, look, what can we do to level level the playing field and mm-hmm. what can we do to give something back, especially given the networks that we've built and the, the challenges we've overcome. And originally Code Untapped was more around upskilling and uh, what we, what we, the way we like to describe it is giving technologists a voice in technology through introducing them to partners through our ecosystem and our network, where there's morph to and we'll touch on that is more to the incubation side of things and building a new pipeline for underrepresented startups founders and technologists Um, but ultimately where code untap came from was very much a position of why can't people why aren't people with our backgrounds at the forefront of this technical revolution this new wave of companies that are just changing everything Mm. Um, so that's very much where my thinking came from Jay how about you add some yeah so my thinking is that um I've always worked in the financial and in in the technology space in Mm -hmm. financial companies and I was always the only black guy on the team Mm. yeah and even now 20 years later I started my I started my first job in in banking in 1999 at Merrill Lynch yeah and uh, even now in HSBC, in my final role, I'm still... You're still... <laughs> and it's just uh, it's just something that I'd like to change, mm. yeah? And we would like to also change the narrative around uh, the fact that these jobs are accessible to... Uh, all people actually mm. yeah it's just not it's just not the um it's just not the remit of one particular demographic to be able to do uh this particular role and uh, just be creative in this space as well so mm. that's what we're around it's it's not just um it, it, it's it's more about changing the narrative and and making making the actual uh, space more accessible to all of all of the individuals people that look like us mm. yeah and what do you think, um, you know, you talked about 20 years later, you were still the only black guy on the team. Yeah. Um, do you think it is an issue of bias, unconscious or otherwise? Or do you think there is also a bias um, within the BAME community against technology? Is it seen as nerdy or are there issues in terms of the so, way it's viewed? So um, actually, I think it's a bit of both. Mm. So um, I would agree that there's... Um, there's an issue with the pipeline, yeah? right? So that the the CVs that are being presented to the hiring managers uh, meet a certain remit, yeah, and right. that's not necessarily uh, inclusive enough, yeah. And um, people tend to hire what they know, yep. yeah, as yep. well. So there's those unconscious bias, but there's also uh, within uh, some of the communities that we're trying to target also this thing that maybe it's not for me. Yeah, mm. maybe, you know, the STEM subjects are not for me. Maybe, you know, technology is not for me. Yeah, mm. And um, for us, we just see it as uh, this space is such... Um, um, this it's such it's so it's so revolutionary in terms of the growth in capital being put into uh technology mm. and data yeah and if we look at we always talk about the uh we always talk about the fangs which are the facebook apple amazon mm. netflix google you know those companies are the biggest companies in market capitalization yeah mm. and none of those companies are older than 30 years yeah mm. and so this is where investment is being put and so this um and actually it's not that just that investment being is, is being put in this area it's that actually these technologies are shaping the way people live their lives right. yeah mm-hmm. they are if you look at if you if you look at a company like Experian 
yeah, Experian, yeah, uses metrics to determine how how much you can borrow, yeah, and how much you can borrow means how you live your life, what you can afford to buy, where you can afford to go on holiday, what car you drive, all of those things, yeah, mm. and they're run by they're run by metrics and data and analytics. So uh, if those metrics, data, and analytics are have well, if the algorithms that are that are surfing are sifting through that data have a unconscious bias because they've mm. been developed by people of a certain background then what does it mean for the people who aren't in that sector so right. um, so we have we at code untap believe that we have a responsibility to upskill um, technologists from uh, a multitude of different diverse backgrounds so that they share in this new uh, data revolution right. yeah and they're part of it because it will actually impact uh, it will actually impact their lives going forward in the yeah, future. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. as they as they move into it and start developing the services, mm. probably the way those services are also developed will change when we have mm. a di- more diverse group of people creating them. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. So we, you, you mentioned there about the kind of people that are involved. Do you have a particular demographic? What does the average person coming along to a code untapped hackathon look like? So that that's a really good question. I think we should start with where we started mm-hmm. Code Untapped, which was very much around being black, Asian, minority ethnic. Mm. And it's predominantly because we were trying to solve a problem that we had experienced, which was that as individuals of African heritage or Afro-Caribbean heritage, um, we weren't seeing many people who looked like us mm. in the space that we were trying to get into. And actually, I do want to change that particular narrative. It's not about people, but there being more people who look like me, it, there being the fact that not everyone looks like you. Yeah. Right? That's the point, right? That there's a level of diversity so that everyone feels welcome. Yeah. And what was really interesting was that even though we focus very much on that very specific problem around black participation in t- technology, by focusing on creating a very inclusive environment, we found that overwhelmingly, actually, we were starting to find people from all sorts of backgrounds mm. attending our events, whether they're female, whether they're from Eastern Europe, whether they're Asian, Chinese, just all sorts. And actually, the diversity splits, we looked at some of our, our metrics recently, were incredible. They were, mm. they were brilliant from a diverse background position. And some of our early events, we, have it, we had... Um, female participation of up to 70%, right? right, Which was just not something that we had planned for at all. And we started getting people from white backgrounds saying, look, you know what, I really want to be part of this. How do I get involved? But unfortunately, I'm not from a, a, a black or African or whatever background. And one of the things we said was, look, solving the problem of representation is everyone's problem, mm-hmm. right? And we want everyone to be a part of that story. It's not that we want to be thinking actively about discriminating against people who aren't from a or a, uh, um, a background where they're from a they they, they have an Afro Caribbean background mm. or whatever. But it was more that we want to create an environment where everyone feels welcome and mm-hmm. everyone feels they can fully participate in society, and that everyone is able to not just be in the engineering room but in the captain's seat. Right, that's mm. really what our focus is on. So now we've got all sorts of people in our cohort, whether they're the age range from 17 to 55. We have careers changers. We have pro- uh, professional technologists. We have people doing um, makers-type code courses mm-hmm. and going to code academies. We have people from more creative backgrounds who have never been a technologist. We had a nurse, mm. um, a, a, a 
a male South Korean nurse who had never been a technologist attend one of our events and end up pitching his solution to the senior leadership team at the Department for Education in Westminster because they attended one of our events. Mm. That's the level of diversity and background that we're getting. Okay. And that's what just that's what keeps us doing this. It's absolutely amazing. We're fundamentally we are helping create a whole new ecosystem of technology companies where the founders are from diverse backgrounds from the de- from day one, which hopefully means that they will go ahead and build diverse organizations and they'll attempt to solve problems for diverse people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think the term that we like to use is like relative inclusion. Yeah. Right. And we use that term because your working environment should be a reflection of your community yeah mm-hmm. so you know the community is diverse and then as always talks about um, the mix in london mm. right? london is a very very diverse city yes. so you'd expect organizations that are in london to also share that diversity from somebody in the engine room right up to uh, mm. senior senior leadership so that's what we're striving for really okay yeah, yeah. and Absolutely. these events that you talk about what what sort of events do you run what 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 shape do they take so we started off running a kind of hackathon workshop thing. We didn't really know what to call it. We called it hackathons and we called it hackathon plus plus. 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 We were like, <laughs> we're not comfortable with this. We don't know what it, what to call it. What was interesting was how um, the partners started to help us shape that proposition. And where we are firmly now is what we call our product innovation labs. Right. So these are days where we work with partners such as yourselves, um, our partners will come to us with a real problem, mm. a, not not just a product problem, but something that they're trying to solve, mm-hmm. an area where they're looking for innovation. They're looking for a level of um, diversity to, of thought, right, We're trying to solve challenges that they've spent a significant amount of time trying to resolve, but their teams haven't been able to do it. So what we do is we go, okay, this is your problem. You want a more innovative solution to that. So tell you what. Why we can bring a diverse cohort to a day and we can work through this problem with you. And why is it important that we bring a diverse cohort? Because the whole thing about diversity for us is that there's four key points. One is around innovation because what you're getting is diversity of background, diversity of thought, diversity Mm. of experience. So you get different ideas brought to the table. So that helps bring innovation to the mix. But there's no point in being innovative if the solution isn't relevant, right? So you need people who understand the community that you're targeting. You know, in the financial um, services space, we talk about financial inclusion, financial exclusion. But how can you build a financially inclusive product if you've never understood what it is to be financially excluded? Mm. So it's crazy, right? Mm. So what we're targeting there is, okay, well, you know, if you have, as Jason said, a team that are more reflective of the of the uh, the audience that you're selling to, you'll better understand their problem. So innovation, relevancy. But then it's about access to talent. You know, talent knows no borders, irrespective of what Brexit says. Mm. Talent knows no borders. You can get talent from all over the world. So why would you restrict that? You touched upon why is it that we feel there is a lack of mm. diversity in the space and is it because of different areas and it fundamentally comes down to what do I know and what do I look like when I say what do I look like I don't mean what do I look like in the mirror but what does my CV look like what are my experiences and background and roles what schools did I go to what qualifications did I do and a highly homogeneous population most of those people will look like you Mm. it's just the way it is and that touches on what we said about okay London massively diverse but the UK is only 14% BAME Mm. 
London's 45% BAME. Mm. Very different, very different splits. Yeah. So, you know, you're ultimately, if you look at people who come from the same background as you, they're going to look like you, which starts to reinforce that lack of diversity in that space. So access to talent. And finally, what I said is, if you want diversity, it's not about everyone looking like me. It's about not everyone looking like that, mm. right? So if you come into a space and you've done all this work to get diverse talent through the door, but everyone looks exactly the same, they're going to leave. Mm. So it's about retention. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what we focus on. And by bringing our diverse cohort to the day, we're able to bring innovative thinking to bear on a problem. Mm. And actually, the more different that problem is to their experience, the better, because the more, le- you know, Hmm. out-of-the-box ideas they can bring to it. And we we split our days into two because we feel, yes, part of it is solving a problem, but part of it is also about upskilling the um, upskilling the cohort. So half our day is around workshopping and we cover ideation, prototyping, team formation, coding, presentation skills, pitch skills. And then half the day is actually spent trying to really solve that problem. And at the end of the day, they have to pitch the solution as yep, well. Absolutely. Yeah. Into a judging panel. Um, so, yeah, so that's fundamentally what we do. We do some workshops as well. Um, we've partnered with over 13 organizations over the course of this year. Mm. Uh, our cohorts over 650 people now. We've had well over 300 people come to to our lab stays over the course of the last year alone. Mm. So, you know, we're, we're hoping for big things for, for 2020. I think one of the reasons we got involved, um, Amida is very diverse in, in terms of its makeup. We have people from... I think at last count it was something like 29 different countries, which, right. you know, for a workforce of 130 people is, really is, good. is yeah. quite impressive. <laughs> I, was, I was impressed. Yeah, yeah. Through, yeah. But, and, impressed. and there's there's, there's people, I mean, uh, they literally do represent all corners of the globe. Um, and I think one of the things that we've learned with the work that we do is that having all those different perspectives on a problem um, is a huge amount of value to the client. And I know that when we got involved with you, um, we were looking particularly around housing. We work mm-hmm. quite a lot in housing. Um, and one of the big challenges for the housing associations is around how do they free up their resources to be able to go and spend time on on the front line. And um, I think one of the things that we realised is that actually that customer base, people who live in housing associations, there's a lot of people who who work here who won't have any idea of what the challenges are for someone who works in a housing association or lives in a housing association. So the value of of partnering with an organisation like yours is tapping into that perspective. Um, But also we were incredibly impressed with the ideas that came out of it. Um, And I know that, you know, one of the things that we've got coming up is an is an event with some of the senior leaders in the housing association sector where where your people will be presenting their ideas. Um, So, you know, for us, obviously, the benefit is clear, but I guess, you know, it'd be good to know from your perspective what the the key benefit is for you for for partnering with organisations like ours. What what does that deliver to your... So what does it deliver to our organisation, to our cohort? I think we've got two fundamental aims. One is exposure for our individuals, for our cohort talent, right? So um, a lot of organisations such as yours, they partner with us because they want, yes, they want solutions, but they also want to expose their organisation to underrepresented communities Mm. and develop their brand within that space and potentially find people in that space. When we did our events with um, the DFE, they were hungry for the people that we had. Now, there were a few key individuals who could have got 
a job like that with yep. them if they'd wanted it. Um, unfortunately, they didn't want it. So, you know, that, that's a challenge for DFE, Department for Education, to solve some of, um, yeah. some mm. of their issues there. Um, you know, we've got some phenomenally talented individuals coming through our program. And, uh, you know, but the key thing there is, yes, there's an access to talent piece there. Ultimately, what does Code Untapped want to do? It wants to incubate startups. Mm. Mm. That's what we really want to do, right? Mm. Yes, we feel there's a piece which is talent acquisition and helping organizations get the best talent. Mm. I'm far more interested, I've got to be perfectly honest with you, in creating new startups with people from diverse backgrounds from the ground up mm. and partnering with organizations to help them shape and grow and benefit in the mm. growth yeah. of those organizations. So what is it we're ultimately ultimately looking for? We want really interesting, innovative problems where our cohort can potentially come in, solve a problem, and potentially provide a route to an MVP product mm. for that organization. Get that product actually to market, and then we have organizations such as mine with Code uh, Impact X Capital to provide follow-on funding for those startups, yeah. right? That's yeah. ultimately what we we want to be tech stars of um, the diverse community, right? Yeah. That's what yeah, we're trying no, to build. Right? That's mm. fundamentally what we're building here. Yeah. Mm. Because what we're looking at really is um, diversity in diversity really is about cognitive diversity. When you have yeah. these people from different backgrounds and you know different experiences, what you're really getting is cognitive diversity. Mm. And what that actually that really results in the bottom line in terms of the products or the services that come out of that out of that experience will be better. Yes. Yeah, because they will be thought about in a number of different ways. Yeah, there are um, a number of different elements, different levels, different dimensions, and you, you can see now companies like Goldman Sachs, for instance, only want to invest in you know startups and companies which have diverse uh, boards. Mm. Yeah, you, you see that. So the more established institutions are starting to recognize this as well, mm. the value in diversity and what it brings to the products and services that they're creating as well. Mm. And remember that we're only looking at um, these global companies are not just selling to the West. And if you look about it, the West really makes up 10% of the global population. Yeah. 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 So if you really want to be, market. exactly. Yeah. So if you really want to be a global player and provide uh, products and services to a global market, then you have to have yeah, a global view, a, a cognitively diverse view on your products and your services to yeah. be able to sell to those markets. It's just as simple as that. Mm. And so... Those, so for us now, we are, uh, it's just like the disruptors in the tech space. If you look at a lot of the startup dis uh, disruptors in the tech space, they haven't got a lot of the baggage of the of the more established companies in those spaces. You look at like the, the fintechs are disrupting the banking sector and and, uh, and really getting on the nerves of some of the traditional mm. institutionalized banks. Yeah. And that's essentially what's going to happen with the stuff around uh, creating co products and services that originate from companies that are diverse from the start, mm. they will disrupt the uh, more established companies in those spaces. Mm. Exactly. Definitely. It can be more relevant. And yeah. you've got to consider mm. the world is becoming ever ever more connected mm. and global. It just is, right? Mm. What that means is, is that increasingly, if you're looking at building a product, you've got to consider global reach. Mm. That means a massively, massively differentiated 
and diverse group of target audience, of target customers. Mm. So you need people in your team who understand selling into those different markets, mm-hmm. who understand building teams or working with people from across the globe. You might have salespeople in London, but technology team in Cambodia. Uh, they might mm. be in Vietnam. They might be in India. You might have some people in increasingly Nigeria, right? You might have customers in the US, you might have customers in South Africa, mm-hmm. you might have customers in Thailand, right? All over the place. You might have investors from London, you might have investors, I've heard of a venture capital fund that's based in Peru today, right? right. <laughs> so you are dealing with an ever more global community and you need people who understand that. Yep. It's not enough to just be have an entire team of people who are educated in the same way, come from mm. the same place, have done the same roles, think the same way. I mean, here's a very anecdotal story, but our own experiences in Switzerland Mm. were really interesting. Overwhelmingly, the technology teams outperformed in um, Credit Suisse were teams of people from all over the world, Mm. Um, particularly with British developers. And I say this not because there's anything particularly special about us, but we outperformed Swiss teams quite significantly. The reason being that you find in Swiss culture, there is a deferential approach to things. And you'll see this in business meetings where an opinion will be raised Mm. and everyone waits for the the, the team lead or the boss to speak first. Mm. And then it's always what pathway does that person take and then you follow on. Our culture doesn't look like that. (laughs) It's it's very much debate-oriented. Everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's trying. And that can seem quite chaotic at first. Mm. But out of that chaos, out of that friction, comes energy and comes new ideas. And that... In that microcosm, you see exactly what we're focused on when we talk about diversity. I know to some people it seems quite woolly. It's absolutely not. It's no. been demonstrably shown, for example, that companies with female boards outperform companies that don't. Mm. Mm. If that's the case, why aren't more companies doing it, mm. right? It's very, very simple, yeah. right? Mm. Um, even Goldman Sachs now said, we will not support any company in an IPO unless they've got um, diverse members on their board team. Mm. Mm. Quite what that will end up looking like, mm. don't know. Or how mm. they define diversity. Or how they define mm. it. Mm. Exactly, exactly. But this is something that is increasingly being recognised. Less and less is it a tick box exercise and it's actually more about your bottom line. Mm. As I alluded to and as we've spoken about, for us diversity is about innovation, relevancy, access to talent, and retention. Mm. Now, if you've got a business model that doesn't care about those four things, I'll be very, very interested to see it. Mm. Mm. Okay. Mm. Um, I suppose in terms of, obviously, we talked about the benefit for us and, and the ability for us to, to kind of tap into that thinking and that energy and that innovation on behalf of or for our clients. Um, as we kind of move forward and as we sort of move across the UK, obviously we've just opened an office up in Manchester. Right. And um, diversity means different things in, in different parts of the Absolutely. UK. And, and I live in Bath and, yeah, the less said about diversity in Bath, the better probably. But just up the road you've got Bristol, which mm-hmm. is a very diverse community. Yeah. But the community in Bristol is diverse in a very different way to the community in Birmingham, mm-hmm. for example. Um, so... Do you think that you have to consider, when you think about how businesses evolve and where they come from, is it about reflecting the diversity that's around them or or does it need to be more global? 
That is a very big question. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's a hard question to answer. Um, I mean, from if there's another perspective on why we um, why we started Code Untapped, and mm. one of and one of it was from one of the perspectives was from uh, from the grassroots, yeah, mm. because there's um, we found out that there's. Because going back to this changing of the narrative, yeah, and it, I'm trying to, I'm going to bring it back to your question mm. actually, um, and we found that we we, we talked about uh, relative inclusion. So relative inclusion means that your in, that your workplace should match the environment in which mm. it resides. Yeah. So if you say you look at South London, where, yeah, for instance, where we where we both grew up, mm. yeah, and you know it's got a, a like, like we said forty percent. BAME, mm. yeah. So you look at businesses in that area, and our our name is Code Untapped, mm. and, what, and what we're about is untapping, yeah, that talent there because there's a talent pool there that, yeah, will have can have immediacy and can have relevancy in the technology space, yeah, within within that local proximity as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is, and they need employment. As mm-hmm. well, yep. so this is all. This so this is also about giving uh, the upskilling and and uh, and getting that untapped talent is also about giving somebody a fishing rod, yeah, yep. so that they have another way, another choice, yeah, another route to uh, being able to provide for their families as yep. well and stuff like that. So, yep. you know, we talk about the large corporations and stuff like that, and that's well and good. That's one angle. But also giving people, um, giving individuals the skills so that, that they can actually uh, provide for their families and upskilling them in in a skill set that is actually in demand and will be in demand for say the next twenty to thirty mm. years is relevant and it's relevant for uh, it's relevant on a on a on a macro level on a local level but it's also relevant to the, the British economy so yep. yeah because the British economy s- s- uh, strives off of small and medium sized businesses mm-hmm. as well and getting uh, and and having these um, having these almost like cottage industries now mm-hmm. yeah because i mean if you look at if you look at the means of distribution of technology products and services yeah it's you don't need to be a big organization no. to, to to distribute a product or a service yeah to millions of people now no. yeah and you don't need a lot of capital to do that either mm-hmm. yeah and you know through through the medium through through, through i mean we were just working on uh, working on a new product that we're bringing out yeah and um it's it's going to be a, a mobile phone app yeah mm. and you can do it on the play store Mm. An individual can do that, yeah, and he can serve up that product or service to millions of people around the world, yeah. So this is when we talk about. So there's a. So definitely, um, we're trying to solve the problem on a local level, yeah, which will result actually in uh, it having beneficial on, on, on a much larger, mm. on a much okay. larger scale. So yeah. on a local level, it will be reflective of that community. Yes, yeah. we, we believe that's definitely important, mm. right? Uh, as you said, diversity means different things in different mm. places, um, 100%. And coming back to what Jason alluded to about London, um, it was really interesting. We saw some statistics which showed, you know, uh, represent- underrepresentation in technology is increasing, mm. things like 20, 25%. And it's like, wow, amazing, it's fantastic. When you look at the global national average, you know, there's only 14% BAME. 
okay, but the city that you're building your companies in is 45%. Yeah. So what kind of what kind of statistics are you basing your your representation around and why? Um, so it's easy to cherry pick your numbers. And but ultimately, I would love to see organizations more focused on the regions, right? Mm. And helping to bring out technology and helping to grow organizations in those areas. I've I've often said I don't understand why we have outsourcing organizations in Eastern Europe where we've got areas of the UK yeah. which are really yeah. could really benefit from mm. um, that upskilling mm. and that <laughs> inflow of capital mm. right and all it is you just need an internet connection to be effective you, yeah. if you can work mm. for me which if you live from, in Cornwall there yeah, yeah, is the yeah. problem if you yeah. can work for me from the Ukraine why can't you do it from Cornwall yeah, right? yeah. So yeah. It's, I, I don't really understand why that hasn't happened and it, I absolutely do believe it's about as I said, representation is about everyone having an opportunity. Mm. It's not about just because you look like this or look like that. It's about everybody mm -hmm. getting a chance. Whether you take that opportunity should mm. be a personal choice. Mm. It shouldn't be one that's forced upon you. No, no. It's about opening up the opportunities. Okay. Um, well, I think that, that brings us to a close for the podcast today. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated. Um, and we very much look forward to all the relationship brings as we move into the next financial year. Brilliant. Thank you. It's been Excellent. a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Thanks guys. Very much. Okay. Thanks for listening. We look forward to your comments and your feedback. And if you have any ideas for future podcasts you'd like to hear, please get in touch.